Hi you guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. If you're new here, my name is Zara and I post a new true crime video every single week. So if you love makeup and you love true crime, definitely don't forget to come back and check out my weekly videos. Also, if you have any cool case suggestions, definitely leave them in the comments down below. I would love to hear of any like new or unknown cases. So today's case is a little bit different. It's about thrill killing. Now, anyone that murders, I mean, murder is not okay. It's unacceptable. But sometimes they have like motives, you know, money, jealousy, anger. They have reasons for it sometimes, sometimes. But when someone kills purely for thrills, oh no, no. Let's get into today's video. So let's begin by talking about Erica. Oh, Erica. So Erica Elaine Grace was born in 1978 in Roaring Springs, Pennsylvania, to her parents, Charlotte and Gerald Grace. And I mean, she had like the sweetest, nicest name to have Grace as her last name. Like it sounds so regal, so pretty. She was an only child and she grew up, I would say pretty wealthy because her father, Gerald, he actually owned his own construction business. And I mean, we all know, you know, if you're doing well, if you're successful, that makes money, honey. So in high school, Erica actually did really well in sort of everything. And that was mainly due to her father. He really pushed her and was one of the people, like the driving forces behind her doing well in sports. And he was pretty hard on her, I would say. He really pushed her. So because of this, she was this star basketball player and she was also an honor roll student. She graduated in 1996 and attended Mary Washington University in Virginia, where she got in on like a partial athletic scholarship. Erica excelled in college, both in academics and athletics. She kind of appeared to have it all, you know, money, looks, brains. But deep down, she was known to be really insecure and easily influenced by other people. So now it is 1998. Erica is now 20 years old. And she will meet a man who ends up taking, I would say, advantage of these insecurities of hers. So this man's name is Benjamin Sifrit or Sifrit, Sifrit, BJ, as people would call him, BJ. And he was also the same age as Erica. And now initially the two of them, they seem to be a really good fit. Like they just worked. They had a lot in common, especially sports. Like they were both so into it. Ben was originally from Iowa and he had actually been a competitive swimmer and he was currently, um, he had a job as a lifeguard at the time that they met. And not much is really known about Ben except the fact that he was like raised in Minnesota and then he was like poor in high school apparently. I don't know if he was poor in grades or like financially poor, but poor in high school is what I read. So when he graduated, he enlisted in the Navy. And then in 1997, he began his SEAL training. And he apparently did really, really well in this. Like he was excelling in it. So when he met Erica, they actually met while Erica was at a bar with some of her friends. And at the beginning, he actually tried to like dissuade Erica from entering a relationship with him because he was um, training for the SEAL and, you know, he had like a demanding schedule. But apparently she was just super relentless. She was into him. And then three weeks later, three weeks, they eloped in Vegas. Her friends and family were super disappointed. And I'm guessing probably because she came from kind of like a wealthier family, 
they probably had these like standards and probably wanted her to like have a big wedding, things like that. So when her friends and family found out, they were disappointed. Erica had never been known as an impulsive or irresponsible person. So her just spontaneously saying yes to this marriage proposal was like wild for the family. It just wasn't like Erica at all. And what they found out later, or, you know, he already had this at the time, but Ben, he apparently had this like dark side. And I mean, I don't even need to tell you that because I'm going to show you a picture and you can see from this picture, he had this large like swastika tattoo on his chest, like huge. And while most women would run for the hills after seeing a man have that on him, Erica was just into him. Ben was manipulative and known for his temper and he apparently could just switch on the charm whenever he wanted. So maybe, you know, she didn't want to say no to Ben's proposal. But I mean, reading this, they were together for three weeks. Three weeks, you know, and how persuaded by him could she have been? But sometimes these kind of relationships they enter into, they kind of like see each other every single day and they don't even leave each other's side. So maybe that constant contact made her feel good, made her feel you know, wanted. I mean, could she have been afraid of him as people suggest? It's three weeks. I mean, it is stated that he intimidated women and, you know, he was overpowering, things like that. But comment down below. Do you think in three weeks you can be intimidated by someone and be like, I have to marry you? I don't think so. I think she wanted to. I think she liked the rush that Ben gave her and maybe she felt like a different person around him. So at the beginning, Ben and Erica were just a conventionally good looking couple. You know, they just did normal couple things and they both viewed health and fitness as a top priority in their lives and their relationship. Also, when they got married in 1998, when they eloped, they didn't invite anyone, anyone. Like it was literally just the two of them. So I guess that's also a reason why her family would have been disappointed and his family too. According to Ben's mother, her son completely changed when um, he met Erica. He was apparently close with the rest of his family. And then when he met Erica, he just kind of like blocked everyone out. He stopped calling, he stopped visiting. And it's like, he just wanted to make Erica happy. And that was his main priority. They said this was super extreme the way that it flipped. And usually like this kind of behavior is often a sign for a controlling and an abusive relationship. And it like both sides of the family are kind of saying things like that. So in my opinion, I feel like first of all, three weeks, calm down. And second of all, I feel like sometimes two people just aren't meant to be together. It's like that thing, you know, you know how, you know, you know how you're not supposed to mix cleaning products, you know, like you're not supposed to mix bleach with other stuff. So like, it's like they were bleach and other cleaning products. Does that make sense? So this relationship also seemed to affect Ben's Navy career, you know, the one that he was doing really well in. Erica didn't like that Ben would be gone for long stretches of time during his training. And she would apparently call him and harass him frequently while he was on the job. She claimed to have anxiety attacks and bouts of depression while he was gone. And once he was actually in Alaska for training, and she actually flew up there and visited him, which is against the rules. And because of this, they were actually both sent home at the time. And he actually ended up being um, discharged from the Navy on the grounds of dishonorable conduct. Sorry, I mean, bad conduct. And I mean, this didn't have anything to do with the fact that he had a big swastika sticker on him. You know, the fact that he was a Nazi, but 
okay. But yeah, I guess like he just kept doing things and Erica kept sort of interfering with his job, which caused him to just lose his job. So in early 2001, Ben and Erica, they are both 23 years old at this point, which is so young, but they moved to Altoona, Pennsylvania, where or near where Erica grew up. And crazy enough, this was the first time that Erica's parents actually met Ben, which is just crazy to me because wouldn't Erica have been receiving some kind of like money from her parents or considering the fact that they were apparently wealthy? Like usually, you know, you get money, but maybe she was just doing everything by herself. It's kind of crazy that her parents didn't have an issue with her eloping with Ben and maybe she did and we these things don't get reported you know like private conversations but basically when her parents met Ben they were not thrilled obviously but it was over here that Ben and Erica opened up a little store and it was a scrapbooking store they called it memory lane and the idea was customers would bring like pictures and you know memorabilia things like that and Ben and Erica would turn it into a scrapbook they also began selling stuff on eBay and the stuff that they would sell was very strange. And this makes me think about things that I, you know, try and buy on eBay, but the things that Ben and Erica were selling on eBay was merchandise, like store merchandise, but they would break into the store and steal the store merchandise and then sell it on eBay. So for example, they would like break into Hooters and then like grab all the Hooters t-shirts and hats and things like that and then sell that on eBay. Like, I guess people buy that. Well, I guess it's much cheaper, right? Now they were specifically targeting Hooters. Like that's what they liked. And this was not like Erica at all at all, not, like so different from the way she grew up. But remember, apparently she was easily influenced. So that's the explanation for that. She wanted to impress her badass Nazi husband. She also around this time began drinking heavily and then they started taking drugs together, which is always a great combination. So my son just came in to say goodbye to me and he wanted to give me a T-Rex. So I think you will sit down here. So this couple now, they realized they thrived on excitement. Like that's what kept them going in their daily lives. And Erica's friends said that they, they didn't even recognize her anymore at this point. She got tattoos, including this, I mean, tattoos aren't so wild, but she got tattoos, which wasn't like her, including this cross on her hip that was influenced by the movie Natural Born Killers. Ben, who was already into guns, he bought Erica a .357 Magnum gun as like a gift. Two of them began, you know, collecting pet snakes and that was their thing. And they had names like Bonnie, Clyde. I think one of them was Hitler, of course. And then one of them was HIV. So great names. They also began like they were already doing drugs, but then their drug use began becoming really heavy, but still this was just not enough for them. And I have a feeling that like, the more I think about it, the more, you know, I talk about it. I have a feeling that this kind of couple, for them to be into each other, for them to keep things going, for them to maybe be turned on by each other, like they need this kind of 
thrill in their life and what happens with levels, right? So you start off with like, I'm going to steal this piece of candy from the candy bar. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to steal, you know, instead of those little like opening containers where you take one piece of candy, you go and you steal a Snickers bar and then you steal freaking bread loaf. I don't know. I don't know how to steal, but you know what I mean? Like you, you just like progressively get worse and worse and worse. So same thing with thrill stuff, right? Like you just want to, the things that you began to do no longer thrill you anymore. So you need more and more and more and more. Yeah. That's what we're about to talk about. So now obviously they've been married a few years at this point. They're like, we got to do something fun. So the two of them, they head out for their first vacation in May of 2002 to Ocean City in Maryland. But they had more in their minds than just sunbathing and bar hopping during this vacation. So while they were in Ocean City on 25th May 2002, they meet another couple. And the girl's name is Martha Jeannie Crutchley. And the guy's name is Joshua Ford. And they meet this couple while they are on a shuttle bus to the clubs that's um, the club that's called Secrets. And what happened was while they were on this bus, they had to pay the fare and they didn't have the exact change with them. So Joshua, he, you know, stepped up. He was a nice guy. And he was like, okay, I'll pay for your bus fare. Just, you know, buy me a drink when we get into the club you know, once we're there, like, buy me a drink. That's like, that's how you can pay me back. And they were like, cool. So they get to the club and, you know, the four of them, they end up really hitting it off. They're having a great time. They're drinking, they're dancing. They're just enjoying themselves. This couple, Martha went by Jeannie and Joshua. They were originally from Fairfax, Virginia, and they had lived together for about a year and they had come to Ocean City because they were looking to just have a good time, have some fun, relax, party it up, like just enjoy themselves. So as the club begins closing for the night, remember the four of them spent um, basically the whole night like together hanging out. Ben and Erica asked Jeannie and Josh like, hey, do you guys want to come back to our penthouse? Like we've got this beautiful penthouse and just come back. We can continue the partying. We can continue the drinks and just keep having fun. And Jeannie and Joshua, they happily, you know, were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go keep this party going. Now, this is something I'm super curious about. So my husband and I, even when we were dating, we just, it's not that we don't like people, but we just kind of like, aren't into it. Like we would have had fun at the club, things like that. But all we wanted, all we would have wanted to do is probably just go home after that. So that if someone invites us back to their place and it's also really late at night, we don't know you, we probably wouldn't go. And I don't know, do majority of people say yes? Or do majority of people say no, especially while you're in vacation and stuff like that? You know, you're, you're, in more of a party mood and you're in more for like you're drinking things like that so I definitely know we would have said no but what would you guys do what what would majority of you guys do would you go like would you go to this couple that you don't know and I don't know and the thing is when I think about it my parents a little fact they love to party. Like maybe my mom, not so much anymore, but when they were younger, they were into it. Like they always, like they would, like we would be at home, like 
as teenagers as like early 20s and they would be the ones coming home at like 4 a.m and we'd be like hello where are you at so my parents I feel like if they you know even if they were like in their 40s something like that they would have gone actually maybe even now they would maybe now they wouldn't do it but they probably still would do it but when they were like in their 30s 40s for sure they would go back to this couple's house and keep drinking like that's just what you did back then and I know for a fact we did this because I remember going to Thailand with my parents and my brothers and stuff like that and this whole time we end up spending the time with this like couple who were on their honeymoon I mean we were like I, I must have been at least like seven this couple they were they were newly married they were young and I remember spending the whole time like we went on jet skis with the couple and then at night we'd go to restaurants and my parents would be drinking with this couple and I was thinking why is this couple hanging out with my parents like why are you hanging out with kids and two older people right but like that's anyway my point is my parents would have done this you know they totally would have done it so as you can guess after Joshua and Jeannie go up to this apartment they have a good time they were never heard from again they also didn't show up to their jobs a few days later which obviously you know raised some concern because both of them didn't show up so their co-workers were like that's so weird it's not like them so then they report them missing and you guys I've noticed like a lot of cases I'm researching a lot of the time it's the co-workers that report these people missing like where are their families just something I thought of so police go in Ocean City they start looking for uh, Joshua and Jeannie and they find their car like still in the lot where it was originally sitting you know where they lived the place they were renting so the police put out flyers they issue bolos they you know look around and they find nothing so on may 31st 2002 another um hooters in ocean city gets broken into and police were actually alerted of this break-in because the store had a silent alarm so because of this the police they go make their way to this hooters when they arrived the people that broke in were still there it was a man and a woman and they were actually leaving the building at the time and they had these huge bags huge bags of um hooters merchandise with them so the police they get out of the vehicle they approach this couple and they're like what's up obviously it was ben and erica and along with the stolen merchandise the police find a uh, 0.357 Magnum gun on Erica's body and a knife. And Ben was carrying a nine millimeter handgun and a knife. So the police were like, if you're coming here to rob, why do you have these weapons on you? So clearly to them, it was more than a robbery. So obviously the police arrest them right then and there. And they were so drunk that Ben was like, really just like talking crap and he told the police officers like I'll just you know we'll just put all of this back you know we'll put all the merchandise back and we can be cool you mate you know we can just be cool let me go and the police was like obviously not and Erica on the other hand she was having like a full panic attack she was breaking down and she's crying and she's saying she's so scared because this is I mean they'd been doing this and this is the first time they'd ever been caught so while they're being interviewed she asks the police officers you know I'm having a panic attack right now like can I just please grab my anxiety meds from my purse and the police officer they're obviously not going to give her the purse so they were like okay we'll like look for it 
And they begin going through her purse, like her handbag, and they find a little bit more than just anxiety medication. So as they're going through her purse, they find ID cards belonging to the missing couple, Jeannie and Joshua. At this point, that couple had been missing for like nearly a week. And also in the bag, they find five spent rounds of ammunition. Ben and Erica were like, what IDs? Like, what IDs did you find in my bag? They just stayed completely quiet about the whole situation at that point. Police were like, okay, we're going to take you down to the station. Come on in. Let's question you. So while they were being questioned at the station, the police actually made their way to the penthouse where they were renting, which I thought they would need to have like a warrant for. And from what I read, it happened like the same night they were arrested. So if they had probable cause, do they get a warrant that quickly? But anyway, so they were, they went straight to the penthouse and they went to this penthouse thinking that Josh and Jeannie were going to be there hanging out and they can finally like find them. So they go to this penthouse. It's empty. There's no Josh and Jeannie inside. But on this table, they find like a stack of vacation pictures that Josh and Jeannie had taken, like of them. They find a key to the condo unit that Josh and Jeannie were staying at. They found two spent bullets. One actually had blood on it. And then when they were looking at it, they realized that these um, bullets belonged to the gun that was on Erica. And this search as they went through the penthouse, just became more and more incriminating by the minute. So they keep looking, the police find cocaine, and then they find blood spatter in the bedroom and the bathroom. And it also appeared that they had bought like wall fixer, like to re-wall, like what do you do to like fix the wall? Like what's it called? Like wall paint? I don't know, like wall putty, wall putty. So they found like the walls had been patched up. Oh my God, Zara, my brain. The walls had been patched up and it looked like the things that they were patching up were most likely bullet holes that, you know, damaged the walls and they were fixing it. And this was mostly in the bathroom walls. In the bathroom, they found traces of blood in the grout lines of the tiles. In the sink and in the stopper, they found hair and tissue pieces, which I mean, it doesn't sound so weird. And under the sink in the bathroom, they found um, a bullet hole. And this had not been patched up as yet. And then the window in the bathroom had like this man's palm print on it. So weird scene. So during questioning, you know, about all the evidence found in their penthouse, Ben refused to speak. He asked for a lawyer immediately. And Eric, on the other hand, she panicked. She began talking immediately and she pinned the whole thing on her husband, Ben. Ben was the killer and he did everything. So what the hell happened that night? So Erica says on that night, they're all hanging out. They end up taking the party back to um, ben and Erica's apartment from the club secrets. They continue to party at Ben and Erica's penthouse. And then at some point in the night, Erica realizes her purse is missing and she accuses Josh and Jeannie of having something to do with it. Erica says, you know, you stole my purse. Josh then pulls out his handgun and he begins to threaten the couple. And he's like, you know, if you don't give my wife's purse back, blah, blah, blah. 
And Josh and Jeannie, if you look at photos of them, they're so, they look pretty timid, like a timid couple. And obviously they freak out. So they go and they barricade themselves in the bathroom. Someone, and it's still not, you know, proven who did this. Someone then shot through the bathroom door twice. And as they shot through the door twice, the two shots hit Joshua. Ben then kicks down at the bathroom door, points at Joshua and then shoots him two more times. And Jeannie, she's freaking out. She hides under the sink. And then through the evidence, because of that like hole under the bathroom sink, the bullet hole, it's possible that one of them took a shot at her, missed, and then Erica goes with the knife and then stabs Jeannie to death. It was at this point, Ben then goes and dismembers the bodies, two bodies. And according to Erica, there was so much blood on the floor that it would like slosh and splash when you stepped on it. They then put Joshua and Jeannie's parts, dismembered parts into trash bags. And then they start driving across the border um, state lines into Delaware, and then they dump them into dumpsters in those areas. They patched up the holes in the um, bathroom, the bullet holes, and then they just continued on partying. They played mini golf, they ate crabs, they swam in the ocean. They took multiple photos of this, by the way, all with big smiles on their faces. Joshua had a ring on him and Erica wore, took this ring, she put on a necklace around her neck. It was like, had dried blood on it. And she would like wear this ring while she was taking all these photos of herself. And then she goes to um, a tattoo shop and ends up getting a tattoo in the exact spot where she first stabbed Jeannie. The crazy thing though, is that even after this, the two of them, they weren't satisfied. And I think it's wild because whenever I hear about dismembering bodies, like who has the time? Like me alone, I wouldn't do it because I don't, I don't have time to dismember a body, fight, like clean it up. And then like, have you guys ever like had a cut or something and had to clean up blood? Like it takes forever. And to clean up, like splashes and splashes of blood. Like, no, thank you. I don't know how people have the time. They must really want to kill. So because they still weren't satisfied a few days later, they want to try it again with another couple. So they meet a new couple and their names were Melissa Selling and Justin Wright. And again, they meet them. They invite them back to their apartment or their penthouse for, you know, to continue the party and to keep drinking. And once again, they try that whole missing purse act again. Erica's like, my purse is missing. And Ben's like, who stole your purse? You know, like they attempt to threaten this couple. Again, Ben pulls out his gun and he starts like waving it around. Now, the only thing that went differently for this couple, and it's funny that I just said this before, is that Ben and Erica in the, in, in the middle of it, they're kind of like, wait, hold on. Do we have time to like dismember and clean up these bodies again? Like we've just cleaned up one, like, do we have time? We don't have time. Another double homicide. I don't know if we kind of have the time for this, you know, today. So then they tell Melissa and Justin, like, okay, let's play a little game. If you can escape this penthouse, you can be safe. So Melissa and Justin were like, what the fuck? And they just like, psh, psh, they just like bolted out of that penthouse. And I'm like, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how they actually got away. But it probably was like Ben and Erica were drunk. So they managed to just be like, okay, see you later. And like, just, they just ran. 
and um, they survived because of this. But unfortunately, they never reported any of this to the police, which they should have realized it was like a scam, you know, that these guys were going to try and do it to someone else. I forgot to mention earlier too, and I think this is important, that um, it was Ben that dismembered the bodies apparently. And at one point he held up the victim's heads and he told Erica to take a picture of him like holding up their heads, but she refused to do that. And then they also discussed possibly eating some of the victim's flesh, but then they didn't end up eating it. So just thought I should mention that because I think that's important. So yeah, so basically when Erica, she confessed immediately, she started blaming everything on Ben. Like it was Ben's idea. Ben was the one that did it. Like I just went along with it because I was scared of Ben. She was just this frightened, abused victim who was forced to play along. And then funnily enough, when he was questioned about it, Ben was like, it was all Erica, but he didn't really talk much, but he blamed everything on Erica which is so funny because they had been married for like years at this point and they immediately turned on each other like crazy. So Erica then tried to cop a plea deal by telling the police where the bodies were located. But one of the conditions of this plea deal was that she would need to pass a lie detector test, um, you know, prior to like receiving it. And she didn't pass this lie detector test. She failed. So the police were like, okay, you have a lot more to do with it than you're claiming. So police searched landfills in Worcester County, Maryland, in uh, the nearby Sussex County in Delaware. Like they searched everywhere nearby and they did end up finding, you know, parts of the bodies, but it wasn't anything that made them feel good. Uncovering a person's body part, you know, they didn't find the whole bodies. They found body parts and it's not really a cause for celebration for the police, but at least the families had some closure that parts of the bodies had been found. Sadly, with Jeannie, all they got was her legs, like they could just recover her legs. Actually, just one of her legs. And with Josh, they were only able to recover his torso and his arms. To this day, the rest of their bodies have never been found. And, you know, they're never going to be found. So because of this, Jeannie's cause of death was never determined and three bullets were recovered from Josh's remains, I'm guessing his torso, and all of these bullets matched with Erica's gun at the .357 Magnum gun. Eric and Ben were both charged with the first degree murders of Jeannie and Joshua and they both pled not guilty. So before we move into the trials, like just... Think about this. Think about how hard everything escalated. First of all, they were so dumb. Like, how do you commit your first murder and then go straight to dismembering? Like, how do you even do that? Do you guys feel like there was more to it? Like, they had been married for four years at this point. Does that really make sense that this was their first murder? I mean, it could have been. But dismembering straight away and then, like, dumping it in, like, part... I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? So this case was huge in Maryland at the time. Huge. And they were both tried separately. So on 31st March 2003, Ben's trial began. And it was moved out of Worcester County to Montgomery because of the huge like publicity it was receiving. And they felt that, you know, he wouldn't be tried fairly in the county where this took place. The public, the media, you know, they were fascinated with this couple who up until, you know, this case, they felt like they had normal, you know, lives and upbringings. If anything, it was like impressive lives and upbringings. Well, not Ben, but Erica. So Ben's massive swastika tattoo also didn't help the case. And 
Erica further tried to villainize him. I mean, he is a villain, but even more so. And she did this by talking about how, you know, he was obsessed with being powerful and, you know, controlling and how he really admired Hitler. And that was like his life goal. Erica also said that Ben was the one that did everything. And she only claimed to help dispose of the bodies and she didn't want to do any of this and she was just doing as she was told because she was so afraid of Ben. Ben's defense team on the other hand claimed the entire thing was Erica's doing. He tells the jury that Erica she was high on a cocktail of alcohol, drugs, um, anxiety medication, diet pills. And it was this combination that drove her to commit murder. Ben stated that he stood by as his wife was killing the couple. And it was he who helped her dispose of the bodies. And <laughs> he did this largely because he was scared of Erica's erratic behavior. They said the murder weapon was found on Erica and the bullets matched the victims. So the bullets from Erica's gun match the victims. But realistically, I mean, that's not really strong evidence because Erica could have just been holding the gun. You know, that was her gun, but Ben could have used that gun. Like the owner of the gun doesn't really state or solidify who actually used the gun, you know? So then remember that couple, Melissa and Justin, the couple, the second couple that they tried to do this to. So Melissa, she was called to testify against Ben and on the stand, she was actually really scared and she was crying, but then she eventually like gathered the strength to tell her story. And she says that her and Justin found Erica and Ben on the side of the road. They had a flat tire. They were drunk and they were acting really weird. And when they approached them, Erica like ran up to her and gave her a hug and she thought that was really strange because she like never met Erica before. Erica was acting like she was her best friend. When she sees Ben, he actually had blood like smeared on his upper lip or on his mouth. And when, you know, they were questioned him about it, he was like, oh, I busted my um lip on the steering wheel. Like I drove over like a pothole and I busted my lip. So then they invite Melissa and Justin again back to their penthouse. They agree, they go. So at this penthouse, Melissa says they were all acting, well, ben, ben and Erica were acting really weird. They were drunk, they were high, and I'm like, well, why did you go back to the penthouse? But it's not the point. They go back to the penthouse, they're acting super weird. And the same thing happens, they accuse Melissa and Justin of stealing Erica's purse. And the couple was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, we didn't take your purse. And that's when Ben pulls out the gun and he starts threatening Melissa and Justin. He tells them Erica is pretty unhinged, you know, like I would do what she says. And he points to like the bullet hole in the bathroom that was visible. And he he's implying like, you know, somebody else tried to do this to us. So if you want to play these games and do this to us too, steal our purse, then we're going to do the same thing that we did to that couple to you. Melissa says that she then sees the purse, like um, Erica's purse, like clearly on the table. And she's like, clearly this couple just enjoys scaring and intimidating people. In the end, Melissa says she doesn't know if Ben killed the couple, if Erica killed the couple, or if they both did it together, she couldn't make that determination based on their encounter. Ultimately, the prosecution, they failed to prove that it was Ben, you know, and not Erica who killed the couple, or essentially like the, the fatal shot that killed Joshua, because 
they don't know how Jeannie died, so they're trying to base the evidence um, off the bullet holes found in Joshua, which the bullets matched Erica's gun. So they couldn't prove that it was Ben who shot like the fatal shot into Josh. So the jury then ends up clearing Ben on all charges relating to Joshua's death, like which I think is crazy. But in Jeannie's case, you know, because they didn't know the cause of death for her and they couldn't link, um, you know, it to Erica's gun, they had a harder time proving this and it was harder to deny Ben's involvement in this. So Ben was convicted of second degree murder and first degree assault on Jeannie. And the jury obviously, you know, made this verdict and the judge actually stated, this is the first instance in over 20 years that I have disagreed with the jury's verdict. He then goes on to sentence Ben to 38 years in prison. So I'm guessing what the judgment by that was that he believed that Ben should have been guilty on first degree um, murder on both Jeannie and Joshua because he was on Jeannie. I think he just got secondary murder. So the judge, the same judge, he also acknowledges, okay, well, Ben is going to be um, eligible for parole, like after a certain period of time, half of his sentence. So he, he, he put a note on the case file saying when Ben comes up for parole, like when he becomes eligible for parole, I want to be notified so that I, like, if I'm still alive, I want to be notified so that I can oppose it and fight it because in his eyes he thought Ben should never be let out of prison. So Erica's trial began on June 2nd 2003. Took place in the same place as Ben's um, did because of the publicity issue and now even though you know I said Erica she tried to cop a plea deal but she failed a lie detector test which was part of that plea deal so they were like you have much more to do with it which is kind of good because they kind of got information from Erica but now they can also charge her right like usually a plea deal you get a much more reduced sentence but she lied they can get more so the prosecution they present like several photos at the trial they also present the vacation photos that Erica and Ben had taken the one with um, Erica wearing Josh's bloody ring around her neck they both looked really at ease carefree in these photos which basically was implying that they were really like, they didn't give a crap. They showed no remorse for what they had done. They didn't feel anything. They weren't worried. They weren't distraught. They were having fun. And you know, like the collector Erica had always been, her little scrapbook store, she also kept their IDs, the bullets they were shot with and Josh's ring. So the prosecution said that she had this gun, the Magnum, she shot Jeannie, but she missed. So that's when she went and stabbed her. But again, who was carrying the gun doesn't really dictate who used it you know she could have been carrying it for ben she could have you know had it in her purse ben grabs that gun it was closer to him who knows we don't know the prosecution also argues that erica had most likely also like did the cutting of the bodies because she told the police that she helped dispose of the bodies but again what does that really mean did she clarify like maybe she literally put the bodies in the garbage bags put them into the dump dumpsters, things like that. I just can't, Im I mean, I'm sure women do it, but like, guys, I'm pretty sure it's not easy to cut up a body. And if there's a man there, why would you sit there and do all the cutting? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds really like sexist, but I'm just being for real. She, if you look at photos of her, she's super tiny. Do you really think she had the strength to cut all the bodies up by herself? I'm pretty sure Ben was involved in that. Her defense team claimed that everything that she had done was only done to please Ben. It was Ben who committed the murders. The gun that shot Joshua was registered to Ben. So even though he bought it for her, it was registered to Ben. 
Again, it doesn't matter who was registered to. Erica claimed that the motive for the murders was that she believed that, you know, they stole her purse. It was her prized red coach bag and inside it had her like grandmother's ring, which was worth $10,000. The defense painted her as a vulnerable and easily manipulated woman. She was really young and the photos of her and Ben and mainly her where she was like laughing and smiling and, you know, all of the pictures. This was taken while she was actually under the influence. She was taking Xanax and Paxil in the photos and that's why she appeared so at ease and like smiley in all the pictures. And that was the reason for that, not being high of murdering. The prosecution argued that even if there is doubt as to whether Erica physically pulled the triggers to kill Jeannie and Joshua, there is plenty of evidence to show that she, you know, was very, very involved in helping her husband in these murders, which makes her equally as responsible. They were a team. She assisted her husband in committing these killings, aiding and abetting people. So now this is wild. So on 10th June, 2003, like not long after, Erica was found guilty of first degree murder against Joshua and second degree murder against Jeannie. At her sentencing, she was completely stone-faced, unemotional, even when Josh and Jeannie's family members were like making their statements. And it was only when her attorneys began talking about her life is when she just broke down. So kind of tells you the type of person she was. And she asked if she could apologize to the families, but I'm not going to read that because her apology sucks. So she got first degree murder of Joshua, second degree murder of Martha, Jeannie, and the judge then has to sentence her. And he sentences her to life in prison plus 20 years. The two of them, Ben and Erica, they ended up applying for divorce in 2010. And I think their divorce was finalized that same year in like August. Ben was eligible for parole in 2021. Yep. Last year. So Ben then applied for parole this year, 2022. Yep. April, 2022, but was declined. He was denied parole and he can apply again in two more years, but his release date is really not far off. It's 2022. He's, he gets released in 2030, I believe. Erica will be eligible for parole in two years, 2024. So let's see how that goes. So there is a book called Cruel Death, which I think details these crimes in way more detail. And I, I really do want to read that book because I hope it kind of delves more into their relationship because I do want to know more about that. I feel like there's more to it during the four years that they were married. This again is a very famous case in Maryland. So I feel like everyone that knew them was probably going to be like giving out all the juicy goss, you know, the exact details of what exactly happened in that penthouse will never be known. But whatever we do know, whatever is theorized is enough to make anyone feel sick. I mean, I imagine a tiny little apartment, but then I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, it's a penthouse. It's probably much bigger. It's wild to me also that Erica got a tougher sentence than Ben. I feel that they were both equally liable. What do you guys think? Ben should have been charged with first degree murder for sure, but I don't believe Erica was the instigator in all of this because prior to meeting him, like her life, the way she was raised was pretty much on the straight, straight and narrow. Like his wasn't, I believe. And I know that doesn't really make sense as a reason for why she wouldn't have done it. Maybe she just changed. Maybe that's what she liked. But just when you think about it, right, dismembering a body, like Joshua was a full grown man moving the parts. Like, I feel like they definitely just did it. I feel like they were a team. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't feel like one 
was more responsible than the other than the other and then I think they also blame Ben like Ben twisted Erica and like maybe maybe he had an influence on her but everything she did she chose to do you know so I don't know what do you guys think of this case let me know your thoughts down below and I hope you enjoyed today's video and I will see you in the next one thanks guys besitos Mwah. bye